Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker. It's a podcast that aims to reintroduce you and me to the players we know so well, but in a totally new way. I'm using questions devised by a group of psychologists almost 25 years ago. They wanted to see if they could make strangers fall in love. The theory was roughly that they could accelerate romance by having people ask each other and then discuss 36 progressively more personal questions. They wanted to see if they could find a shortcut to intimacy this way. Now, I love this idea. I'm always fascinated by people's stories. It's one of the things I love most about my job as an interviewer for the World Series of Poker. But we don't have time for all 36 questions. So can we use a shorter and only slightly modified selection of these questions to hack intimacy and shortcut our way to knowing our favorite poker people better so that you, the listeners, can fall in love with them just a little bit? Let's find out together. My guest today is poker vlogger Brad Owen. His extremely popular YouTube channel with over 175,000 subscribers has made him a well-known personality in the game. Thanks for chatting with me like this. I know it's not the usual poker interview, so are you prepared for some more personal side to the... I'm excited, yeah. Okay. Had you heard of this experiment before? I, I hadn't, except for in preparation for this podcast. Okay. Well, some of the questions I'm going to be using with you are not the ones I used with other okay. people in podcasts. I, I actually didn't want to listen to the other Good. the other ones because yeah. I still wanted it to be kind of a surprise. But I'm I was aware that you took the questions from this other uh, okay. thing. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, some of them aren't as uh, applicable, so you know I'm picking and choosing just a little bit. Um, but being a vlogger, you're used to putting a lot of information out there. Does it ever get a little bit? I don't know. Do you ever feel a little strange with it being a little too personal or do you try to keep it more about the poker generally or? Yeah. In general, I try to keep it mostly about poker and I'm happy to pretty much go through anything in my life as it pertains to poker. Uh-huh. And then I keep a lot of my personal stuff separate. Yeah. I can understand that. I have kind of done that for most of my career as well. And I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, eh, let's let it all hang out here. So let's start a podcast and ask some really personal questions. But you're also welcome to ask some of me as well. So no holds barred. But let's start with the easy questions. There are three sets of questions. They do get more personal as we go through. The first one I'm going to ask you is a kind of an updated version. Um, What's the last TV series that you binged or are binging? Stranger Things. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So did you just start like from series one? Or are you kind of coming to it late or? Yeah, I came into it late. You know what? Actually, there's a there's a show called You that mm-hmm. I've been watching on Netflix. Yeah. That's uh, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure, something yeah. that my girlfriend kind of enjoys more. It's like this murder mm-hmm. drama thing. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of love. Anyway, it's, it's kind of odd. But yeah, Stranger Things, I enjoyed more. So I got into that late and then just watched like all three seasons mm-hmm. within, you know, a couple weeks. So if you're watching a series with someone else, how big a sin is it if you jump ahead and watch without them? Oh, that's a that's a big sin. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> okay. So you haven't done that? No, no. I, I oh. almost never do it, except sometimes my girlfriend falls asleep while we watch stuff. And then she says it's okay if I watch as long as I give her a good recap. Okay. Okay. Uh, my next question is, before making a phone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? But this was from 25 years ago. Nobody <laughs> makes phone calls anymore. Let's just be honest. Right. Um, so instead, I'm going to ask you, before you do your vlogs, how much rehearsing do you do? And do you ever think up your jokes and observations in advance? Let's see. Before I do the vlogs, they're not live. So I, I shoot multiple takes. You know, I mm-hmm. do kind of rehearse things in my head a little bit, but I mess up all the time when I'm videoing and then I just re-video. Mm-hmm. 
And then, sorry, what was the second half of the question? Well, just like jokes and observations. Do you kind of make notes of anything ever? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's there's that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I do kind of, yeah, rehearse things and think of things that I think would be funny to say. And then uh, hopefully it comes out like naturally sometimes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. When was the last time that you sang to yourself or to someone else? All the time. Oh, um, yeah? <clears throat> yeah, I'm sharing a room with my brother right now in the hotel. So... Not a lot of singing going on there, but if I was by myself, certainly I would. And I do, you know, a lot of humming. I'm very musical, mm -hmm. so I play guitar. Uh, I used to write music. I'm actually writing a, a poker rap right now that I'm going to huh. make a, a video for that's just like this joke thing. Basically, it's poker in the perspective of my cat, who's like <laughs> a, a crusher. <laughs> See, that That sounds very interesting. I would absolutely watch and listen to that. So what is the usual <laughs> genre then? Is it rap that you No, no, no. I, I actually hardly listen to rap at all, but I, I listen to a lot of rock music, a lot of like The Killers and uh -huh. uh, Kings of Leon and those types of bands. Okay. Are there any musical acts that you've seen live more than once that you would say you're like a big fan of? There's a band called Brand New mm -hmm. that is like an indie rock band. Not a lot of people know about them. So usually for this type of thing, I don't really bring them up, but they're, they're a band that I've seen... Uh, six or seven times live. Okay, so music plays a significant role in your life day yeah, to day. Yeah, definitely. Okay, what would it be like if you had to go for a couple of days without music? Like, how important is it to you? It's pretty important. I don't think I could really go a couple of days without it. Yeah, oh. especially with all the traveling that we're doing. I'll just put on my uh, my iTunes on shuffle and and, mm -hmm. and listen to music pretty much like the whole time I'm on a flight. Yeah. Okay, the next question is going to be a bit more of a thinker, I think. Um, if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind of, or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? So for the last so 60 be, years, you'll either have the mind or the body of so a 30-year-old. So it's possible that I would be like a, a senile person Hot who guy. looks like they're 30? Yeah. <laughs> you could be a really smart older person, smart older person, Let's or you could see. be a, you know. You know what? That's a really tough one. I think... I think I would still prefer to have the body of a 30-year-old. Wow. I yeah. believe. Just because, I mean, my grandpa, he just recently passed away at like 90. And his, his mind was still sharp for mm -hmm. like a 90-year-old person. A 90 year old person. But, uh, you know, I, I don't imagine he was getting too many, too many uh, attractive ladies. But I think that I could <laughs> if I had the body of a 30-year-old. That's kind of important. It, it, as long as I could still stay like relatively sharp. You know, if I was like losing my mind, then absolutely I would take the mind of a 30-year-old. Yeah. I, I think it's tough to know what my mind would be like at 70 or 80 or 90, but I'm hoping that I would still be relatively sharp. Mm-hmm. Does okay. that make sense? It does. It completely. I'm just trying to think if that is actually an answer that sort of cheats a little bit. But I think it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because if anyone could have those things, I'm pretty sure that's what you'd pick. See, I would definitely pick... The mind of that was a my, 30 year old. That was my initial mm. thought. But then I remembered like my grandpa was still all there pretty yeah. much until. And like, it's hard when your body weeks. lets you down. Right. And as you get yeah. older, that definitely happens. Yeah. I mean, but I think I would still prefer to have the mind of a 30 year old. Although I'm now 44. And I would not now go back to having the mind of a 30 year old. So that's kind that, of a weird see, part of the question. That's kind of my too. thought too is. My dad's 67. He's all there, you mm -hmm. know? So, like, for 37 years past 30, he's still, he's still sharp. Yeah, and probably because of all that added experience, 
sharper in some ways or more well-rounded because yeah I definitely wouldn't go back but then I wouldn't go back to the body of a 30 year old either to be yeah I don't think I would either I so that's an interesting question because I've always thought I've always been kind of against like cosmetic surgery and stuff Uh you know like in my mind it just seems weird I think it's like totally fine to just age naturally and not Mm. try to fight that or mask it Yeah, no, I hear you. And I agree with you on a personal level, but um, also as a woman, I'm very conscious that I look younger than 44. So I don't have the same pressures that a lot of women my age would have. And so I certainly do not have any problem with people having that because, you know, there are all these studies out there that women actually make less money based on how they look. And so it's a financial question as well as just your, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be, but for a lot of women, once you kind of reach a certain age, you're considered no longer viable in so many ways. And it does affect your, your career. It affects, you know, your prospects, I suppose, romantically or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a hard one for me because I know (laughs) that personally I'm, I'm really, I'm lucky in a way, like my genetics mean that I look younger than I am. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and long may that last, and hopefully, you know, muscles and bones and everything as I get older too. But yeah, I know it's not that way for everyone. So. Yeah. What What are your genetics exactly like? Where, mm. Like, what nationality are your parents? Well, my mom, uh, my mom's side of the family is Italian. Okay. So yeah, and then my dad's side of the family is a big mixture. So they uh-huh. lived in the states before they came to Canada, but it's like French and Scottish and like a whole bunch of things. Okay, I was wondering if there's like anything in particular in your genes that enables you to stay looking young. You know. Maybe it's the Italian side. I'm not sure because from what I can see, Italian women can stay looking young up until a tipping point where at that point it just all goes to hell. Okay. <laughs> and then you're like a nonna <laughs> and that's it. And you have to wear house dresses uh-huh. and slippers and it's the law. Wow. Yeah. And I live in Italy now, so it is. It's the law. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, that's great. Yeah. Where in Italy do you live? Yeah, right now we live in Padua, which is like 20 minutes outside of Venice. It's great. Ah, uh, okay. Beautiful spot. So, Yeah. So I'm just waiting for the inevitable tipping point, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll be honest with you. I, I really like getting older. It's something that I, I like a lot. And you are? I'm 31. I turned 32 later this month, mm-hmm. February 26th. Oh. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you. That's a really unlucky thing to say, actually, in Italy. You're never Is supposed it? to wish happy birthday in advance, but poker players don't tend to have a whole thing about luck, so. No, not at all. That's good. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right, so we don't know each other. We've never really met before. I know your work. You said you looked a little bit at mine, so you know a little bit about me. The next question makes it difficult. Okay. It's name three things that you think we have in common. Okay. And now, this is supposed to be two strangers anyways who've had just a little bit of time to get to know each other. Sure. Okay. Three things you think we have in common. Uh, A passion for poker. Mm -hmm. We're both involved in media and poker. Are those separate things? No, I I think think those are separate separate things. things. Yeah. Right? And I think probably we're both easy to get along with, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Okay. You have a, a very easygoing demeanor. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We're going to dive into the second set now. It gets a little bit more personal. The first one is, uh, is there something that you've dreamed about doing for a long time, but have not yet done? And why? Why haven't you done it? Let's see. Before I started doing the vlogs, I was really interested in maybe writing a, a poker movie. Mm-hmm. And then I saw 
Andrew Nimi to his vlog, and I thought it was kind of the perfect medium for me to show what it's like to play poker for a living. Uh -huh. uh, and so for that reason, it didn't really become as important to, to write like a movie or work on that. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be great. Um, I also think like Rounders is kind of the perfect movie, and it'd be hard to come yeah. close to doing anything that good. And there are so many bad There are so many, movies. yeah, yeah. Wow. I know. It, it's just so hard to come up with a plot that isn't completely cheesy. Yeah. Right? Like winning some major tournament is obviously kind of like the go-to plot that you would think of. But it's just not really realistic, you know. No. But like Rounders is so realistic. Yeah, uh, except for the Oreo, but yeah. Except for the Oreo. I mean, uh, there are <laughs> clearly... That is the cheesy part in it, and it right. had to be there, so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And it's for an audience that wasn't just about poker. So you can kind of understand it. Yeah. Yeah. But when I, I look at movies like the James Bond movie that had right. poker, <laughs> and I know some of the people that were like the poker um, consultants yeah. on them. Well, they... Oh, wow. What was that hand? Because I haven't seen that movie in like 15 years or whenever it first came out. Yeah. So it was like a royal flush or like a straight flush, quads, yeah. a couple boats, the Obviously. nut flush. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, it's a normal, normal poker hand. Unbelievable. But yeah, the people who were the consultants were like, yeah, we did try to say, but they just didn't listen. And yeah, I don't know. You attach your name to something. You just got to be able to deal with the consequences, I guess. Um, next question. What is the greatest accomplishment accomplishment in your life? Passing the CPA exams. Hmm. Uh, so I went, I played poker uh, for a living in 2012, I went broke later that year, had to move back in with my parents, and I was 24, 25. Uh, I had a degree in accounting, an undergraduate degree, and didn't do anything with it mm -hmm. ever. So that was kind of like the natural fallback for me. But I needed to do something to show uh, potential employers that I was, you know, fully invested in a career in accounting. Mm -hmm. And for me, that meant studying uh, for the CPA exams, which is like a chartered accountant and, you know, anywhere else, I guess, outside of the U.S. So I passed those in kind of record time. It was four months. And then I got my master's degree in accounting. And then I worked for uh, Ernst & Young, which is one of the one of the big four accounting firms in the in the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, it just was not something that was for me at all. Yeah. My skill set just doesn't work well with actually doing the work, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that I don't work hard. It was just, it was things that I just wasn't enthusiastic about. Whereas in school, I was very much into, you know, studying and working, working hard at studying, I guess. Mm -hmm. Are you glad that you still went that route and figured out that it wasn't for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think my parents were, were happy that I did that mm -hmm. and uh, gave it a shot and they were very much not happy when I went back to poker, but they're, they're happy now. They, I bet they, they, are. they love like watching the videos every week and tuning in and seeing what my life is like. They're, they're really proud of all that I've been able to do the last couple of years. Yeah. Do they watch everything you do pretty much? They do. Yeah. That's so nice. Uh huh. It must feel great to have that kind of support. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially since that support wasn't there. Uh, mm. my first run at playing poker for a living and then well into my second run until I started doing the videos. Mm. Do you ever get uh, messages from them that are like, I liked your last video, but maybe you can think <laughs> about doing this. All the time. Really? It's really tough for them to watch me lose, especially uh -huh. if I go on a losing streak. Mm. The thing that I feel like is really important to me with the videos is just being 
like as brutally honest about things as possible. Yeah. And so I went on the, my biggest downswing ever like last year and I videoed the whole thing and it's tough to, it's tough to deal with that in like a public way. And it's even tough to like hear people. It's, it's tough to get messages from people, Mm -hmm. you know, who are just like, I'm going through a downswing as well. Like, um, even though it's like a nice sentiment when people are sending those messages, it's just like a ton of like negative things that go through that I have to read yeah. also. And then uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but I imagine like Phil Galfond is going through a similar thing right now with his heads up challenge. Yeah. You know, reading where, what he's writing about it and how he's like, no, no, great. I just want to go every day and play the best that I can and not right. think about chasing losses. Sure. And- yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I think when, yeah. Um, I, and how every pro has to think when they're going through a rough time, they have to just be like, you know, I appreciate like you guys saying different things and being worried, but also like, this is part of what it's like to play for a living. And I, you know, I've gone through downswings before and come out of them. And I know, I knew like going into this session or this, this challenge that, uh, this was a possibility and there's a lot of poker left to be played, Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. I find that probably more, I don't know, aggravating than I should getting messages from people who haven't been in a serious poker lifestyle or a professional poker lifestyle. uh, Right. So they don't kind of understand, like at this point in my career, I'm much more of a broadcaster than I am a player. You know, if I'm talking 10 years ago, it was kind of a different story and I played all the time. And now, especially having a kid the last couple of years, uh, live play has been really pretty rare compared to what I used to do but even coming to an event like you know we're at an event right now together I'll just say that in Madrid we're at an 888 live event and uh you know I talk about it on Twitter and someone that I don't really know on Twitter was just like we really believe in you it's time you made a final table you know we're gonna be pulling for you but you really need to work hard and it's just like (laughs) well that's not how this works eh? like and it's just I don't know it feels like a weird thing to say to people but it comes out of people who don't play for a living is my guess well you've had tournament success Mm -hmm. so that's something that is going for you so totally for me I have like 14,000 caches on my Hendon mob Mm. and as you become kind of more of a public figure in poker your Hendon mob is what people like basically you know look for Mm -hmm. If, if you don't have much on there people just either assume you're not good or if you have a ton on there people think you're like a superstar uh so it's important for me to kind of develop that. Whereas when I was playing before the vlog, it was just all cash. Basically. Yeah. I just never played tournaments. And now when I, you know, document my life going through the world series and I brick eight or 10 tournaments in a row, people are Easy. just like, Oh, you should just never play a tournament. <laughs> you know, just stick to cash. Wow. There's a lot of that. And yeah. it's people who just don't understand the variance in poker in general and specifically in tournaments. Live tournaments. You can only play one live tournament at a time. Right. Maybe two. I've played two before, but it's not easy. Do you play do you play live cash a lot? I don't. You don't do no. you, you I not used at to. all? Yeah, I used to, but I don't anymore. Okay. I just don't have the time commitment. And I'll be honest, I find that because my game has taken such a hit in having taken time out of the game it's really, it's aggravating for me. It's annoying to sit down and know that my skills are not where they used to be. And I know that I would have to put in a certain amount of time and a certain amount of effort to get back to that. And I just don't have it at the moment. So I'm kind of stepped, I stepped away from cash for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it is weird, though, when you say that about the Hendon Mob, it is one of the first places that I go to as a broadcaster when I have to quickly, you know, if someone's on the World Series broadcast and I'm going to be interviewing them soon, it's one of the places I go just to see if they're a tournament player. Sure. You know, if it's a name that I haven't recognized before. But it's funny because I have a lot of results over the last 10 years, 15 years. And I, because I, I got pretty lucky early on, too, I'm not going to lie. And poker was very different 15 right. years ago. And so if they looked at your results and my results, some people would think that I was a better player than you. You and might be, be in no. tournaments. I'm sure well, you know, I don't have a ton of experience. You, you also have experience going deep in tournaments, which is like mm. a whole other thing. Sure, sure. Whereas you have experience playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I don't have that experience where, you know, maybe I've made it in the top 1% of like a ma major field 1500, right. but then I still cash for like 5k. <laughs> yeah. But you have that experience against the field now, whereas I have that experience against the field from sure. years ago. So it is, it's just kind of an interesting question to me when I'm interviewing people, the idea of, you know, cash versus tournaments, um, and what results actually mean. Cause obviously they do mean something for a lot of people. They, you know, we've got some of the best players in the world. You look at their stats and you're like, yes, that yeah. totally makes sense. But just, I guess a word to the listeners to realize that, the Hendon mob stats aren't everything, and you really have to look beyond that. There's there's so many people that have, you know, a million plus in uh, Hendon mob winnings, and they're probably lifetime losers in, in tournaments. You yes. Know? Oh my goodness. Yes. So that's a that's a giant problem with that database in general. Yeah, and it is one of the things that I will use sometimes in broadcasts because it's a really impressive number. You know, right. live earnings or live winnings. Right. But it doesn't tell the whole story at all. Like staking pieces out, this and that, and how much, <laughs> but how much did you lose, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, absolutely. Like the staking aspect of it is huge. You know, mm -hmm. you, a lot of people have less than, you know, 50% of themselves. Yeah. Sometimes like significantly less, like yeah, 20% of themselves or less. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question, going back to your personal life, what is one of your most treasured memories I think just my childhood in general. Mm. I just love like the the neighborhood I grew up in, and uh, you know, riding bikes down this giant hill with my brother, playing sports with him, and just a lot of family things. There's nothing like specific that comes to mind necessarily. I guess I guess one of my most treasured memor memories, as it uh, pertains to poker, would be winning a satellite into the main event on Father's Day of 2010. Mm. That was something that was a really cool moment that my dad was like uh, very proud of. I, I missed spending Father's Day with him because I had, it was like day two or day three of this shootout event, but mm -hmm. uh, it was it was all worth it since since I was able to win this like $100 satellite into the main. So that was special. Yeah. yeah. It's nice that you had that, you have that kind of feeling about your childhood though as well. It sounds like when you say it, even just those couple of sentences, it's got that kind of idyllic, Riding bikes kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Playing like roller hockey out in the yard or in the, in the, <laughs> in the street, different things like that. They were, they were special. Well, what role do love and affection play in your life now? So you have a partner, so that's part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a girlfriend. We've been together for a year and a half. She has two little girls that are six and one's about to turn nine in April mm. and uh, that kind of keeps me grounded, I guess. That's kind of like my family in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so it's, that's really nice to have. I think it's really important for poker players to have a balance between, uh, you know, playing and uh, just 
doing doing things, having a healthy life outside. Right. Normal. normal yeah. Life. So you're you're you have a daughter or son who's I, daughter. Like, yeah. And she's like two now? Almost, yeah. Almost two, yeah. okay. She's like 21 months old right now, so yeah, it's been a wild two years, honestly. Do you bring her with you on these kind of trips? I have not yet, because I think it would be really difficult for me to split my focus. And when I, because I took a, a fair amount of time off for maternity leave, I was out like about a year and a half. Okay. Um, and when I came back, I wanted to make sure that I was really focusing on being back and doing a good job sure. and, you know, kind of getting back into it. Cause poker, when you take a year and a half off is, you know, it's a different beast by the time you come back. And I wanted to, yeah, put that effort into it. So she's at home with her, her dad right now. He's, okay. he's doing solo parenting while I'm away. Do you do a lot of FaceTimes? No, because no? it upsets her. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And we're hoping that when she gets a little older, it'll be easier. She's talking now. So, you know, when I left, we explained, as we always do, mom's going to go away. I don't leave that her very often, like four to five times a year, five times a year now. Um, and she was like, okay, ciao, ciao. And she had this little sad face, but she was like, yeah, mom is going to go to work. And then she comes back. And then when I'm at home, I'm a full-time mom. Right. You know, I can do work stuff while she's napping, but my main job is parenting. So yeah, if I brought her with me, I think it would just be too difficult and she'd get short changed as well. You know, she might as well be at home where she's happy. Do you, do you have plans to live in Italy throughout her entire childhood or yeah? That's the plan. We were living in Slovenia uh, when she was born, which was great. Slovenia is like an amazing country and I think everyone should go visit it. It's absolutely incredible. But we were foreign there, both of us. My husband is Italian. And I kind of wanted her to not feel like she was growing up somewhere that she didn't belong. She was never going to be Slovenian because you'd have to have one parent who is Slovenian to become a citizen yourself, even if you're born there. Uh, So, yeah, we moved back to Italy, and it's the right choice. I still feel foreign, but she doesn't. And so now that I'm a parent... That kind of doesn't matter, you know, like how I feel. It's more about making sure that she grows up in the right place. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It must be interesting having, uh, you know, your girlfriend has kids being Mm -hmm. in Vegas. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely um, an interesting thing. The, The youngest one, she's six. She loves like being from Vegas. And the older one, she's very into doing things that are like the deal with theatrics or putting on shows and she loves like dancing and she's in plays and different things so mm-hmm. we take her out to uh you know different different shows like the blue man group and yeah there's a show called wow and like some other Cirque shows that are suitable for children so <laughs> uh so we, yeah we do we do fun things like that yeah okay last question of the second set what does friendship mean to you friendship i think the biggest thing is being loyal. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a very loyal person to, uh, maybe, maybe to a fault even, mm-hmm. um, just, I, I'll, I'll pretty much do anything for, for a friend. So, and, and I think just showing up is like a huge part of being a friend, especially mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. There's so many people who are on the flaky side in Las Vegas mm-hmm. who just like aren't really reliable. And that's something that's very frustrating for me. Um, I think that's something that's kind of like, stereotypical for for poker players as well kind of being flaky or showing up late Mm -hmm. to things 
But uh, I have a good group of friends, a lot of mine uh, within poker. Um, you know, they, they show up on time and everything. But, like, the <laughs> ones the ones outside of poker. <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe it's gotten a little bit better since, like, you. it's frustrating to deal with people not showing up on time or not showing up at all and calling yeah. to cancel. Um, so I think within poker, it's even gotten better over the last couple of years. Yeah. We're all getting older. I mean, there are new players, obviously, but... Yeah, but it's funny because I think that anybody who works on the media side is pretty much always like on time for the most part. Yeah, you know? we know how annoying it is, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah people don't show up on time. It just kind of throws your whole day out. Yeah. So whenever there's a poker player who is bang on time all the time, it it for me, I'm so impressed. Like yeah. Maria Ho uh-huh. always shows she's, up on she's time. She's just so like professional with everything that she does. So she's great. professional, yeah. yeah. And I respect that. There's other players who I've worked with on the broadcast really big players too and some of them just don't show up I I imagine that happens a lot because the yeah yeah well we had a dress rehearsal a few years ago before we started doing the break desk and uh yeah I was the only one there and I was like huh this is good (laughs) people just the and especially it's like top level players they just prioritize yeah. play over everything else so yeah. um I, I yeah you just kind of have to roll with it when you're on the media side of it yeah expect it roll with it mm-hmm. yeah. okay set three of uh, our three sets of questions here if you and i were going to become close friends what's something that would be important for me to know about you is there some kind of core value something that is important in all your friends Honesty, for sure. That's like the the biggest thing in my life. Uh, I hate being lied to. That's even if it's like small things. I mean, almost like especially if it's small things. Yeah. Like why Why would you make something up that like I don't really care that much about? You right. know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that that would be that would be like the biggest core value. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um. Yeah, in terms of core value. I would say the same, except also kindness. I get yeah. really, I can't, I have no patience for people who aren't kind. If you're going to be rude to people in restaurants or oh, yeah. someone who's like getting the car for you or whatever, if you're making jokes about the homeless people that yeah. you might see, like for me, that's a complete no-go. I will just not be interested in spending any time with that person. So and I, the older I've gotten, the more like hardline I am about that too. Because being, I don't know, very typically Canadian, for a long time I just kind of forgave things and other people a lot. And I'm not saying that I'm some kind of perfect saint because I'm clearly not. But I try to make sure that when people call me out on stuff, uh-huh. that I'll stop and listen rather than get defensive and defend myself. It's, it's something I'm working on still because uh-huh. I know that I, you know, I do some bullshit too that needs to be called out. So. <laughs> Canadians are so thought of as like being very, very nice. And that's something <laughs> that I think has held true with pretty much every Canadian that I've met. I'm sure there's exceptions. Sure. I dated some of them in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like when you spend time in the U.S., is that mm-hmm. something that's like noticeable? Like people say things that like just would not be common at all in Canada. Like, like you said, like making fun of homeless, like yeah. that kind of a thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I lived in Santa Barbara uh, for a couple of years and mm-hmm. I, I really loved it, but I never felt at home there. I actually felt more at home in England than That's almost funny. anywhere else in the world. Okay. Um, I, I lived in San Diego for a while and I didn't, I never felt at home there either. Yeah. I, for some reason, just 
beach cities I just don't really feel comfortable in. There's an unreality about them. Maybe that's, I feel like that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's it's strange. I did a lot. I did internet dating when I lived in Santa Barbara and that was eye opening. That was like, I have some of my best (laughs) ever bad date stories from the time I lived in Santa Barbara. Were you on, which sites were you on? Were you on like match or eHarmony? Were you on like Tinder or? I'm trying to think if Tinder was a thing back then because I wasn't on Tinder. But I totally would have been if it was a thing. Okay. Um, no, it must have been okay, okay Cupid, Cupid or okay. Match, and, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I've done some of those as yeah. well. Yeah. Really funny and very fun. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely had my share of show up and they're drunk. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Or the one that thought that I thought he was just having like a dark sense of humor. And uh-huh. We were joking about like the end of the world, the zombie apocalypse. And then we went out to go to a different bar and he pointed out his car, which was like a survivalist <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah, nightmare. And I was like, Oh, you're serious. Did you, did you ever get catfished? I don't think so. No, not that I, not nobody I met. Cat, uh-huh. It was a catfish ever. Although I did go out with this drummer who was like, he seems so cool, but the whole time uh, we were having coffee, he had brought his laptop and he wanted to show me this 20-minute video that he'd edited about Steve Jobs. And I was like, why? Why would you do this to me? Why? <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm confused. He had a... He edited the video himself? He wanted to get into editing, and I guess he uh, saw okay. that I worked in broadcasting. Ah, uh, so he thought that, was, that would be a way to impress you. I guess. Or maybe he just wanted a job. That's not that bad. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I do. Oh, well, if he wanted a job, then that's very like, odd. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, so, he, and I didn't turned, know how long to watch the his video. date with you into an interview, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of sad, but I have to go now. <laughs> I've had my coffee. <laughs> did, and... you, did you end it with, well, send me a copy of your resume Oh God. and I'll get back to you. Yeah. I think I just was like, you know, I have no power for hiring. Really? <laughs> the world was series. he disappointed? Did that kill his mood? Well, he seemed, he was so quiet that I just couldn't understand what was going on. It was like, maybe he was trying to impress me. I always just assumed that it was like a job, job interview thing, but yeah, it was the most awkward and I had friends at this coffee shop as well, and they were all watching. It was. They were watching? Yeah. Were they your escape plan? No, they were just there. Okay. They thought it was hilarious. They walked by, saw me having a clearly uh, like <laughs> a first, first date, date, and they just <laughs> sat and watched and laughed and pointed. That's and great. I would probably do the same thing if I saw a friend. I would take terrible. pictures and, you know, maybe vlog it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Oh, I hope you'd be nicer than they were to me. No, At one point, yeah. I was sitting there by myself having coffee another day, and they came over. I was using my laptop, and I didn't realize till later that they'd put a little sign in front of the laptop where I couldn't see it that said, ask me on a date. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did you meet your husband through online dating? No, through poker. Through poker, okay. Yeah, and we were friends for years, actually. Um, and the online dating happened kind of in the middle because we were friends for all kinds of time. Uh-huh. And then just we're at a very romantic poker tournament in Venice. And there <laughs> that, you does, go. that does seem like pretty much the most uh, romantic setting for a, for a poker tournament. Dude is a romantic genius. I'll tell well, you. he's Italian, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. What are you going to do? Probably comes like naturally for him. Seriously. I know. Had this whole wonderful week together. Then at midnight, one kiss next to a canal and he disappears. Wow. And you're like, Five yeah. years later, you ran into him again. Just... <laughs> <laughs> romantic genius I'm telling you um 
Okay. Next question. Share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. Okay. I got sunburnt when I was 12 very badly. I was, I was skiing in Lake Tahoe and, uh, I didn't want to go to school cause I was really embarrassed. I, I was like pretty self-conscious and I, and I still am in a lot of ways. And so I just, I was like, my face is just bright red. I can't go to school like this. So my mom was like, all right, I have a solution. We'll just put makeup all over your face, oh, you poor we'll cover thing. it up. And so I showed up like obviously just covered in makeup oh. as a 12 year old boy oh. who's like, it's pretty, it's kind of like a pivotal time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that, and everyone was just like, what the hell were you thinking? Oh, and I got made mom. fun of for a long time. Yeah. For that. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame it all on my mom. I'm sure I was like totally, totally down for that idea. Huh. It's like, oh, this will, this will hide it and I'll just blend right in. But oh, that awful. was, that was the opposite of what happened. Yeah. Well, 12 year olds can be cruel. They can be very, um, particular about fitting in. Sure. And not deviating oh, from yeah. the norm at all. So, yeah. Yeah. But luckily, I kind of I kind of blazed a trail for anybody else who, who came to school sunburnt. I said, you know, they wouldn't have to be embarrassed anymore because they could be like, be. oh, well, I could have just put makeup on like Brad. But <laughs> you were like peak embarrassment for everybody. And exactly. Just, yeah, that's good. All right. Next question. When did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Um, let's see. I think like a couple days ago with, mm-hmm. uh, with my brother, we were just, we were drunk <laughs> and we were just talking about things that, uh, you know, things that's personal things I don't, that I don't really want to get into okay. at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just a little bit concerned about some of the things that he was doing and, and some of his habits and stuff. So, uh, I was just saying that I, I hoped that he would turn things around for the better and, that it got kind of emotional. Mm-hmm. Are you an emotional kind of guy? I am. Yeah. 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 I'm, a, I'm emotional in general. I just can't help it. It's embarrassing. Well, you for shouldn't me. help it. Really? You don't it's think embarrassing? so? No. I th- like movies. I just. It's good. Like things that have to do with like inspirational movies. Oh, yeah. Um, I, it just gets me. <laughs> yeah. Like the, <laughs> the beginning of the movie Up. I haven't seen that, oh. but I know the movie you're talking about. Okay. Well, you'll cry. You'll really? Cry. Yeah. Uh-oh. I watched it on an airplane and I bawled my eyes out. Really? See, my girlfriend's the opposite where she's, she works as a nurse mm-hmm. and I think you kind of have to like, well, in poker you have to be stoic. So that's, it's really interesting how in poker I, I'm just not emotional at all, mm-hmm. but like outside of that, whether if it relates to my personal life or if I'm watching movies, I'm like very emotional, Yeah. which is weird. But it sounds balanced. I guess so. Yeah. 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 Um, but my girlfriend, she she doesn't like cry during movies almost at all. Yeah. Yeah. She has a really tight rein on her emotions. I mean, that kind of job, you'd have to. I think so. Yeah. Be able to push through. You I just have imagine. to see all kinds of crazy things. She gets. She did. She told me that she got emotional because she is actually studying to be a nurse practitioner. So she mm-hmm. does uh, clinicals. So she'll have to work at hospitals. And right now her session is maternal. Mm -hmm. So she's delivering babies and she, and she gets emotional delivering babies because it's like such a special time and yeah, in life. And she's there with, you know, a lot of first time mothers, or even Mm -hmm. if they've had multiple children, uh, it's just something that's, I think a pretty special, uh, experience to go through. And so that, that gets her. Yeah, I can imagine having gone through it. That's a pretty wild 
There's a lot of screaming involved. Yeah. Or there was for me anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of screaming. Um, okay, last question, and then I'm going to let you go. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? And why haven't you told them yet? <sighs> um, I, there's not anything that in particular that I, that I wish I would say that I hadn't said, uh -huh. but things that I wish I would have said more, like I love you to people. And I think that that's probably just a common thing. Mm -hmm. That would be just the one thing that I'd want everyone to know. And, uh, you know, that my, that my life was great, I suppose. Yeah. And that if anything bad ever happened, if, if my life was cut short, I wouldn't want them to, to feel that way. Yeah. I feel like I've lived a pretty good life. It's a good thing to be able to know. Yeah. I feel like, uh, when I think about my grandmother who I lost, uh, I wish that I had asked her more at the time about her life. Yeah. I wish I knew her more as a person rather than a grandmother. And so for me, I would regret not things I haven't kind of said yet, but things I wouldn't be able to say to my kid to be like, this is who I am as a person. Sure. That you, instead of just a, a parent, like I think all those things that you don't get to say, but thankfully nowadays, I think we talk more. Yeah. It's so much easier with, uh, social media. I mean, social media is not the best way to communicate, but it's, it's very easy to stay in touch with loved ones that way and friends. And yeah. so that's, that's nice. But, uh, also through the, for me, through the vlog, my family's able to, you know, know what's going on in my life, despite being hundreds of miles away all the time. Yeah. It's like the blessing and the curse of the modern age. I know a lot of people say bad things about electronic communication, but if it wasn't for it, I wouldn't have contact with my family the way I do. And I wouldn't be able to cope with that. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, this experiment is supposed to end with the two people staring silently into each other's eyes for about two to four minutes. But we're going to skip that bit oh, because, yeah, well, <laughs> I think for an audio podcast, it's a little too avant-garde <laughs> for silence. Uh, but for the listeners, you can go to Brad's YouTube channel and fall in love with him, staring to your heart's content and learning about poker at the same time. So how was this? Was it what you expected? No, very much like I, I think I opened up more than I thought I was going to. I'm probably. glad. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was great. Probably probably favorite interview that I've ever done. So oh, thanks a lot. That makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying so. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you've seen a side of Brad that you didn't have access to before. And thank you, Brad, for being brave enough to have a go at this with me. I'm Kara Scott, and this is The Heart of Poker. I'll see you next time. <laughs>